0: Hello and welcome to ArtWitch, the podcast where creativity, magic, and healing align for personal and collective liberation. I'm your host, Zanetta, and welcome. ArtWitch aims to provide resources for creative empowerment, helping folks make and share their art, and also find their authentic expression. In this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of artists, witches, and healers, as well as experts in various art industries and related fields, all with the intention of helping folks share their art and their unique magic So, so excited about today's episode because I'm joined with a very dear friend of mine and someone who I really look up to and find a lot of wisdom being channeled through their work. I'm joined today by astrologer and art historian and just generally wonder magic maker being Britton LaRue. Welcome, Britton.
1: Thank you, Zanetta. I love being here.
0: Oh, it's so wonderful to be with you. A while back, um, I guess I should give a little bit of information about this episode. A while back, I was in the shower. I love that. (laughs) I was in the shower where most of my my creative ideas come in. And I was thinking about astrology and I was thinking about art and creativity and the seasons of our work and what inspires us during different seasons and I thought I just want to talk to Britain about this I just (laughs) want to I want to talk to Britain I want to have a conversation about arts and astrology creative process creative possibilities mediums and just kind of explore creativity from this invitation of astrology And Britain was so kind enough to indulge me. (laughs) I love it.
1: I really love this so much. Because one of the main things that I care about is how to make the language of astrology relevant and applicable to the lived experience. Mm
2: -hmm. And so,
1: what's more valuable to the lived experience than understanding? how to tap into ourselves as generative and creative beings. And theres oh. I think there's so much richness here. And it's, it's such an exciting invitation from you. And I've been giddy to get onto this call since we talked about it. So I'm excited to see what unfolds here.
0: Yeah, I mean, truth be told, we are taking this creatively. We're taking this from an intuitive, creative standpoint. For those of you who have been listening to the previous episodes, some of them have some plans, some of them have some, some questions that are more intuitive, it kind of goes across a spectrum of ways of approaching making things. But this particular episode is very much in an improvisatory realm, we're going to be connecting intuitively, and bringing forth all sorts of ideas. And Essentially, getting into a creative process with even just channeling this episode.
1: I can't tell you how appropriate I think this is because from working with astrology, and I've only been doing this a few years, it's not like I have a lifetime of doing this. The process of working with astrology has changed my life because to me, astrology is about attunement and attuning to an invitation of some kind. And there's something very improvisational about that, right? Like mm-hmm. um, you're you're listening to what the invitation is. And then it's like the invitation is to say, yes. I was just recently um, rereading Tina Fey's Bossy Pants book section mm-hmm. where she talks about her rules of improv. It's really great. You can Google it. But she talks about how when you're in an improv, you have to go along with somebody's invitation, right? Like it's maybe not like what you would like to have happen for you to, in order for it to be playful and in order for it to be funny, (laughs) you have to just go with like what you're sensing the invitation is and have an openness to be attuned to Um, whatever then comes to you as the most appropriate and yes response to the invitation Mm -hmm. that the person is giving you. Right. And and so if you're closed, like, I don't want to do that (laughs) or just like, "Hmm, I don't know what to do. I, I'm going to throw it back to you. You tell me, you know, then you're not able to play along and create something really enjoyable and pleasurable and enjoyable to other people that are witnessing it. So Mm. I feel like astrology for me, what I try, what I'm doing with myself, um, I'm like my first client and then working with other people is opening up attunement to invitations and listening to like, what's the most appropriate and yes response to what is being offered to me right now. And then staying open with that, so that it's like I'm listening, and I'm I'm available to what wants to come through me based on this,
0: you know. Oh, that is so so powerful. That's so powerful because it thwarts so much of what we're taught about how how art, how creating, how we make anything in this life. It thwarts. It's kind of stands. Um, in the face of like these ideas of like, okay, so here's your plan, here's your materials, here's like, here's your skills, here's your like training, here's all the things that you're doing, you know, and and while those are like really powerful and really wonderful, and yes, are a part of this process, it's also like that openness and that willingness to see where this takes you, trusting that wherever it takes you is the place that, that will be helpful to go and to land. yes. And I just love that so, so much because astrology does take you through so many different realms, Mm-mm. just like the seasons where if you're experiencing kind of a four-season situation like those of us here in the Northeastern United States where we have a distinct fall, distinct winter, distinct spring and summer, It takes you through different quadrants of experience and all the many layers that each quadrant can kind of invite you into. And that's what I kind of think of with astrology. Like, Mm. yeah, maybe I'm not feeling, maybe I'm not feeling aligned with Scorpio, but what does Scorpio have to invite me into that extends the possibilities beyond the known world and what I'm accessing with my mind at this time?
1: Yes. (laughs) yes exactly and and as you get deeper into knowing your chart you know what area of your life what sphere of life is particularly lit so to speak Mm -hmm. by what whatever the astrology is asking you of you and so it can be very helpful then to me Things being helpful is like the number one thing I care about. Is it helpful? It's helpful to um, like train your attunement then to things that relate to that sphere of life that are on, right? So like if the chart, um, if you have Scorpio in like a very internal place in your chart, like maybe it governs a sphere of your life that's, that's more about just you and what's going on with you. Um, it may not be the most appropriate time to force a lot of external stuff, right? Whereas Mm. sometimes like the energy is really like peaking, peaking like like an ovulation type of peaking of like, oh my gosh, like right now is when I've got to put this out there, you know, and in working with astrology that way, you can feel attuned to like, what is the appropriate next move? And that's really helpful to me.
0: Yeah, I would love to hear a little bit about what we're being invited into in this particular time. So this is a (laughs) a really potent time. Um, It's a really
1: impotent time because a lot of the energy of 2020s astrology is moving into closure. And specifically for people who do study astrology and for, people who know, but if you don't study astrology, don't let the jargon confuse you. Um, Just listen to the themes that I'm talking about. But the planet Saturn and the planet Jupiter have been in a dance around Pluto in later degrees of Capricorn all all year. And it's been a particularly potent area of the sky, both collectively and in, in in an individual way. And so these two planets are moving their way now, having finished a long retrograde period from spring to fall, where they're going to leave Capricorn. And when planets are at the 29 degree of 30, which is those 30 degrees in a sign, we call it the anaerobic degree. And it's kind of like this pregnant um, or really ripened, you could say, like ripened moment Uh, it's a ripe degree. so maybe you may Mm. have placements at 29 in your chart. That's like a really special placement to have something at 29. There's something there for you to work through and really understand because it's like kind of about to burst, so to speak, because it's going to then shift into something totally different. These planets are going to get to the 29 degree in December and then they're actually going to come together in the sky on the winter solstice and it's called the great conjunction when this happens because they only meet in the sky every 20 years so it's said to define generations. Yes, yeah, so we're really <laughs> at a at a period right before this and just like pr- on the principles of those planets Jupiter is the planet of expansion and like reaching It's like an enthusiastic, buoyant energy to learn more, taste more, consume more, have more. It's very open and expansive in its its nature. Likewise, Saturn is an energy that's constricting. It wants to hold things down to give them shape and form. And Mm -hmm. so they, they work really well together because you can have wonderful ideas, right, creatively. You can have these wonderful ideas, and that's Jupiterian. But then you need a Saturn part of yourself to come in and be like, yeah, but what time of the day am I going to work on this? How long am I going to work on it? What do I need Mm -hmm. to get this done? Like, how can I support myself in actually making the thing a thing? And that's the containering that Saturn offers. So together they create an expansion and contraction, which is like birth canal energy that is um suggestive of something new that is wanting form like a new idea that we're expanding into that wants to be made into something so mm-hmm. it's a really good time to be listening i also like to think about the way those dance together as peristaltic motion which is the wave like motion in the digestive tract and like worm bodies and stuff mm-hmm. um in waves like n- pushing things forward right like i feel so much of my life with creatively, it's like comes in waves, you know, just like big things happen. Like, I feel stuff like you say the shower, I love the shower, too. I also love runs and walks outside for just like all oh, this stuff's coming in. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's such a great expansive feeling. But then it's like, okay, well, first of all, I have to remember the idea. Like, if I don't write it down, it could just disappear. Right. And, and then the next thing is to actually make a plan to actualize materialize do the thing and that's the Saturn aspect Mm. And so I really love the idea of after a really hard year where Saturn has been really heavy and burdensome energy this whole year this is an opportunity where we're in the last stages like the dark of this experience of the year in order to really be li- doing a lot of listening, I feel like just listening to what we've been learning and then the Sagittarius energy helps us catch the light, like catch the the excitement, catch the 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 yes, this is what I want to do next. Um we mm-hmm. have to be in the dark a little bit. Um we have to sit with the reality of all of the loss and all of the grief and all of the the change that has happened. I mean, You're there's changing. no one unchanged from this year. And Scorpio is just such a supportive time for holding the container for the alchemy of self-healing and inviting in, listening, I feel like, to know the next way from the dark
0: what you're saying just speaks so, so deeply to me. Much of my work is listening education and is sound. Ooh, art. And yeah. I, interestingly enough, I'm going to be like unleashing kind of a, like a workshop, a series of workshops on the art of listening. Mm. And I, I really just thought of doing it because this is the time of the year where I feel like there's a great surrender to the tides of change and being with that, that is for me listening is to just kind of receive and Mm -hmm. sit with and notice and breathe into that, breathe into all that kind of surfaces through those waves coming through, through your form and through your being Noticing where you want to engage and activate and still allowing yourself to just listen and knowing that's just such a powerful action in and of itself. Listening is one of the few processes that I do almost every day. Um, I mean, I'm constantly listening, but I mean, actually taking an hour or two each day to listen and sit and to listen to my environment or my body or my, my internal landscape. So I find that this makes complete, complete sense to me, especially before that great conjunction.
1: Yes, I feel that too. My ego resists listening, right? And so one of the great pieces of advice that I got from whatever I get things from, right? (laughs) My higher self, my guides, my ancestors, when when I know I'm hearing something, it was, you are very wise when you listen. (laughs) And I wrote it down and I keep it out to remind me to, I get so sure that I can do it all or control it all or make it happen. Or I get attached to the idea that I can figure it out myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and I actually hear a voice that says, um, and this is like firm language I hear, um, do not presume you have the answers until you sit and listen. And I say that a lot to myself, especially when I'm feeling blocked or if I'm feeling um, really burdened by the work I have to do. As you know, Zanetta, I've been doing so much writing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are periods where I just I just don't want to or I just feel overwhelmed by the standard I have, which is really from how much I love astrology and I just want to do it A great honor by by treating it well, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then I just as soon as I do that act of quieting and just feeling myself open and ask to receive, I just feel like all this stuff comes to me and it just opens, and then and I relax and I just remember like, oh, I'm I'm taken care of. Like this will uh, this will come. I just have to attune again. I was closing myself in. Mm -hmm. closing myself in, and my, in my attachment to thinking I knew it all or whatever, um, or that it had to run the way I wanted it at the timing that I wanted it. And it's very humbling, but it's also so beautiful to just open and it's much less exhausting as well. So I'm I'm all for that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's interesting because I think a lot about creative sustainability with working with the seasons working with the wheel of astrology thinking about there are certain invitations that allow aspects of self to breathe and have space that might not always have that space if we're just constantly striving and constantly sending out our energy and it sounds like in this season of Connecting with the earth and kind of quieting down and settling in and listening. There are these just aspects, aspects of self that get space that might not get a chance to show up all the time. Yes.
1: I was just thinking of that today. Um, I was thinking about how you had talked about scrying as a possibility of a modality to explore in this conversation of like, what's a modality that might be a way to tap into creativity at this time of year. And what's incredible to me about scrying is seeing a part of me that I didn't know I had, and then feeling so much more whole and full from accessing Mm -hmm. this other me that's like always there that I don't normally recognize in just the ways that I'm moving through the world so much of ourselves are unconscious to us until we illuminate them and that to me is a really powerful thing to do right now in order to feel into our strength i think a huge thing about scorpio is bravery and strength it's a sign that's ruled traditionally by mars and mars is very much the principle of our energy and our and our bravery Um, Mm -hmm. are are willing to go there and Scorpio is an energy of deep truth and deep sight of penetrating sight to go through beneath down into things in a way to identify and extract like root cause or to to understand like what's going on down here in me or in whatever the situation is that we want to look into. And so it's an extraordinary time to trust in our own sight and to trust in our, the bravery to do it because with Scorpio you have to be willing to stand what you see is a really big part of it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. So if you want
1: I, the gifts of it, you have to be willing to to look.
0: Oh, this brings up some some stuff. This brings <laughs> up some real stuff because when you kind of invited me into the astrology for this season the one of the first things that came up for me was ego death Mm. and I was thinking about our creativity how when we take that step into that unknown that void that creativity offers us we don't know how things will turn out we don't even know how we'll get there sometimes we don't even know how we'll express it or what mediums we'll use. So much of it is so chaotic and amorphous. And yet stepping into that kind of shatters what the mind knows about itself, which is the ego. Yeah. And it expands the possibilities of who we can and and, and who we can be and what we can create.
1: Yeah, and words like chasm for chaos, like they work well with the imagery, the symbolic imagery of of Scorpio. This idea of like caverns and chasms and things like beneath that are dark and unknowable. You know, earlier this year I had an insight that I put in the Leo book, which is strength is meeting ourselves at our own chaos on the strength card for Leo.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> I love that.
1: Because for me, that is a very scary, has always been a scary zone in my life. I have Saturn and Leo, which would make me wanting to create order where there's open play and chaos. And a huge healing that I've been doing the, the last few years is there's learning how to drop into that and not want to control it all because that's sort of my Saturn that would want to come in. It's been working. The work that I do, I when I look back and think about all the things I used to be so frightened to do, including like casual conversation. Like I couldn't have had this uncharted, unplanned uh, conversation with someone because the improvisational aspect would have felt too chaotic. Mm-hmm. But as is true with all Saturn stories, through hard work and meeting ourselves there, we act. That's where like our, some of our deepest healing is because we found the mastery ourselves, rather than it being like a gift that we were given at birth, you know, that was easy mm-hmm. for us. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that that kind of thing right now is really important. Finding a way to just, it doesn't have to be intense. It can just be like a pendulating, tapping effort to slide a little bit more into a place that feels more chaotic for yourself and see If you can be that brave Scorpio person, Mm -hmm. like bring in inhaling in Scorpio energy to yourself. We all have Scorpio on our chart. We can do this. Just allowing yourself to feel brave and sitting there and finding out what comes forward when you allow that limit to push out a little bit more than you were formally allowing for yourself.
0: You know, there is the invitation of the season, right? In the astrology. And then there's also like where something might reside in your chart like if someone is interested in kind of starting to work with this right because there's attuning
1: to the sign energy and then the the next step when you feel comfortable i i like to talk to my students as attunements as the tools when we're learning about a sign or we're learning on a planet what i want to teach is attunements that everyone can develop for themselves so that it's not a thing they've memorized. It's not intellectual. It's a felt sense of, I understand what this is and I'll know it when I see it kind of a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the first step is for me, if you want to work with a current astrology to really dive into the sign or the planets that you are wanting to attune to And then, yes, when you are ready to go to the next step, you would want to look at your chart and notice what sign you have, what house you have that sign. And the house speaks to a sphere or department of life where things play out And between the 12 houses. That's the range of areas of life that we have. They all go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so. Then you would look to like, is this a externalized kind of a house? Like, does it have to do with my actual work in the world that I do outside and with other people? Does it have to do with my relationships? Does it have to do with my psychology and my, um, my unconscious self? Is it social or is it personal? You know, like these kinds of questions mm-hmm. I think are helpful in a very general way. Like you can Google the basics for each house. And then go from that position of like, okay, this feels like a house that's more about finding teachers. This feels like more of a house that has to do with playing and romance and having fun. Mm -hmm. And then you can attune then to how would those things merge together? Um, How would would you do that realm in a scorpionic way? And of course, there's a whole range for how all these things can play out because astrology is holographic and there's no one meaning. And even in your life, like different houses, planets, signs, they're constantly animated in different ways, kind of Mm -hmm. referencing different things. So the the idea of attunement is really key because there's no worry about a wrong answer, so to speak, if you're just trusting how it feels to you. I have to say that um, what I'm feeling right now is how creative this time really is because I don't, it might be because I've been doing a daily death meditation. It's inspired by this idea of memento Mori. And I've heard Carolyn Elliott talk about this. Have you, do you mm-hmm. follow it, Carolyn Elliott anyway? She's a very clever and intelligent witch herself. And um, so a memento Mori is a trope that you see in literature and dance and art history And it comes from the Latin words meaning remember death or um, remember that you will die. Or like basically remember that death is a thing that we all have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing this meditation at my altar of just fully and completely letting myself imagine my death and um, and seeing the grief of the people who love me and seeing like the particulars of my stuff being carried out and Mm -hmm. what's going to happen to my things and like completely seeing the whole thing from like the most psychological to the most literal. And as I sit there, then uh, in all of that, I then let myself shift to, so what am I going to do today? I get full of this jolt of life force energy that just comes in. It underlines the fact that death is an integral part of life and thus it's an integral part of creative processes. And I f- I'm finding it very valuable because it's just sort of a wake up, you know? And it's, it takes yeah. me to this idea that I think is very true that we can't create in the past and we cannot create in the future there's the only place that we create is in the present moment. And so let's, let's go do this. And sometimes that might mean that I need to create a spreadsheet to help me with my budget. And sometimes that might mean, you know, I, uh, part of what I'm creating is a, a vibe that my daughters step into when they get in the car out of school. Like, obviously we have literal like practical things that we have to take care of, but we can also approach those things from this place of, like visceral life force that moves through us in the knowledge that death is always here too.
0: Death is, has been a very deep part of my own creative journey and has, has been kind of, I mean, one of the most important kind of forces in being able to create the work that I work on. I do a lot of sound rituals, um, particularly like rituals that involve channeled soundscapes and experiences that kind of bring a community through a threshold experience or through Mm -hmm. a connective experience. And my very first sound ritual that I created was called the Ceremony Project. And it brought together folks who were actively grieving the loss of a close loved one, and -hmm. then folks who had never experienced the death of a close loved one. It brought together communities from both sides of that threshold and invited folks to share stories and experiences through this listening ritual experience and to kind of dissolve the barrier a little bit and to create some empathy and shared understanding about grief and de- destigmatizing grief. Mm. And mm. that was really like – it was interesting because that was really born from my own need, my own medicine, my own need that I had to take myself out of isolation as a griever. I lost my dad yes. a long time ago, but it was such a huge, huge, intense struggle for about a decade with that loss. And I was really called by – um by Freya the goddess that I work yeah. with to actually go and bring this project out into uh, the world and to bring people together and it yeah. was th- it was through a dream. I had no plans of my own to do this but she showed me this kind of experience and I got led on this kind of journey through all these trees and kind of going through this process of 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 being like really I need to make this thing and and i did and what i what happened and that experience was just this connectivity around mm. death like that was one of the things that was so striking to me was like this is an inevitability that we all all of us face every single one of us will experience loss and the loss of ourselves eventually like mm that is that is one of the few things that we all share. And that just kind of blew my mind, seeing people who, you know, didn't necessarily identify with grief, but recognizing that and seeing that in others and kind of feeling into that. That was just such an interesting experience for me. I love so that. I love the idea of you talking about meditating with death and your own death regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you, as you may remember, my
1: dad died when I was a teenager too. I, I don't remember if you were a teenager, but um, we share like 21 a story. Yes. We, we share um, grief with the father. Right. And it's, just true that our culture doesn't provide, my culture does not provide at present a rite of passage for that, right? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I do feel looking back that for a good 30, 20, 22 years, I was in some kind of limbo place of liminal space between walking through the world and being not really wanting to be here even though a wonderful things were happening in my life and i was i was here i had children i got degrees you know like i'm doing mm-hmm. life and i'm and loving my life some portion of me was really not embodied because i was terrified of living here in many ways like what kind of place is this <laughs> mm. <laughs> that this can happen you know and um the frightened young girl. And in these sorts of meditations and rituals, like the one you provided, um, it provides that container that you really can get at any time, even if you experience that kind of loss decades prior. At any moment, mm-hmm. I believe you can undergo a proper passage to really complete that grieving process, which has been a huge thing for me in terms of finding more wholeness in myself and feeling like I'm committed to living here you know okay now that I'm committed to living here what am I gonna do or before Mm. I was sort of like half doing everything because first of all sure that I was gonna die young too and like what's the point we're all gonna die kind of an attitude that was unconscious for sure but It was just sort of this underlying foundation to how I operated is like kind of an, there are no consequences here that I need to worry about because I'm just going to (laughs) die. And um, now, once you heal that, you can be more embodied here so that you can live here and, and know that death is always going to be a possibility, but we have this great life and our ancestors are cheering us on to go really live it, you know, and that's where that's just so good. That's just so good for people.
0: Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, I also do kind of a similar practice about like, I call it death compass. Ooh, great <laughs> it's, title. It's, it's a similar kind of meditation practice, but I use it more often throughout my day. I just, every time I come up to a situation of murkiness or conflict, I ask myself, how would I feel about this at the end of my life? And mm. what is the decision that I need to make in order to feel right with this at the end mm. of my life? Or will I even remember this at the end of my life? Mm. And that is my like compass for clarifying where to place my energy and if I'm aligned with my sacred values at any given moment in any given situation.
1: That sounds like a
0: really excellent practice it's intense. I mean, I don't recommend, I don't recommend if you're still really healing and, and like really acclimating to your grief. I don't recommend that. That wasn't something I did for the first 10 years after I lost my dad. And really it's, it's something that I've kind of like intuitively gotten drawn more into, but expressing my grief has made space for me to access the pearls of wisdom from death and to Mm -hmm. really find meaning in life and also to find the gifts of life. Because one of the things that I think happened, and it sounds like something you were kind of navigating in your kind of limbo experience, was that you're not really necessarily able to fully receive like that empress energy. Like how can you fully embody, receive, accept, know that you're fully worthy of accepting the gifts of even just the smallest kind words or gestures or energetic pulses of love sent towards you? How can you possibly receive those things in the face of denying death? One thousand percent. And let me like go from that empress to say
1: that in the sacred geometry that is the zodiac every sign feels very different from but evolves through the sign that is opposite it so what is opposite Scorpio's Taurus which is the energy of Venus and rebirth and cows and milk and honey and gardens and everything which is why like what happens in the southern hemisphere is the opposite and that's perfectly fine, right? Because they're they're an axis of a thing. And what is the thing that they're about is the life, death, life cycle. This idea of like you can't have Taurus without Scorpio. And you can't have Scorpio without Taurus. They belong together. They teach each other and we celebrate rites on either side of that wheel. But you're celebrating the whole thing to me, really. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like it's so appropriate to think about the Empress as Hard to access if you're not able to be with death um, because they go together. You know how you have like foundational or you know, like spreads that, of tarot cards that you pull that you just know, like, this is a big one. Like, I'm mm-hmm. this is a really powerful spread for me. I did one um, a few years ago with death, and the main thing that I saw from it is death is an artist. And I always think about that because in the Doth deck that I was using that day, death is pictured as this very uh, active and animated figure. And mm-hmm. it really helped me lean in more to death and sitting with death is to think of it as an artist trying to help me create something. So there's a, there's a huge invitation there, I
0: think. When you said that, it brought up something really clear into my mind, which was this idea of like, that silence is what makes music possible. Like that we, if you just heard sound all the time, consider like if you went to Times Square in New York city, which is the busiest little hub in the United States and you go there and it's constant traffic sounds, beeping, talking, electronics, just like so much stuff is going on sonically And there's like no silence (laughs) and it's to our bodies, our minds, our spirits. That's noise. Often it's like straight up quantified as noise for so many folks. And I can get into a whole episode about what is actual (laughs) noise, but we're not going to go there. The, The whole idea though is, is that when you listen to any music that you enjoy, it is the fact that there are intermittent spaces of silence either from one player or one instrument or between words in a song or just like dance songs where there's like some huge like beat drop yes. and you just feel like the energy building <laughs> and it's so relative basically to silence. It's the, relationship between the silence and the sound that actually creates our sense of motion it's like getting back to that worm mm-hmm. motion that you were talking about like mm-hmm. how does that motion even really occur it's the tension and the release so i think about silence and then as you were saying talking about like death as an artist I thought about how often as artists we have to go and make decisions of what we remove and take out all the time the process yes one thousand percent and also like
1: a woman who just gave birth there's a death thing happening right like she's not that person anymore Uh, and you leave a house it's death when you get married it's death When you get divorced in order to start a new life, it's death. Like when you graduate from high school, it's death. Like death is in everything that we do because as we let go or destroy or otherwise release the thing, we are making the space for the new thing to come through. And if you live in like a cult of youth or or like our culture, right? Like (laughs) a a cult of life uh, only (laughs) in its youth phase. Then, of course, there's going to be like a shadow or an unconscious dysfunctional aspect that comes from that in the Mm -hmm. denial and the running away from death that will actually make then life itself feel more automatic and less visceral and less embodied.
0: This reminds me of actually a quote by Starhawk, the amazing witch, eco-activist, eco-feminist activist activist and writer, speaker. Starhawk's a huge influence on me. And I've been reading over the book, The Pagan Book of Dying. Mm. And one of the quotes in this book, she says, you know, plastic flowers last forever, but it is... Be, you know, the fleeting blossoms basically that are precious to us and mm. hold magic. If we weighted all of our attention and energy on life, it's like those plastic flowers, essentially. And I just think about how, like, it's okay for things not to last forever, it's beautiful that they don't last forever. And that is something in and of itself to celebrate as well. Thinking about also how you said marriage and divorce and all that, you know, graduating from middle school, all, yes. all of these things are death. I know. That's so beautiful, Britain. Yes,
1: it is so beautiful. And yeah, I think one of the hard things about this year for so many is the blocking of the certain rites of passages.
2: Mm. Even, even
1: though we have very like, we don't have like a fully strong, supportive rite of passage around certain things that we do, we do have things we do right that that allow kids to say, I did finish, I did finish eighth grade. (laughs) That did happen. Like I did get married. Uh, You name it. There's so many this year. And that that blocking like has consequences, and it's really upon us to support each other and encourage like the gr- the grief of not getting to properly have that, and how to how to come in and repair not fully experiencing a finish, a, a death. You know oh, that you're gosh. sort of just like thrust into this new thing, but you're like, it's like whoa, what? Like I didn't. Am I am I done? I don't know. Um, where am I in this middle ground? And that there's an honoring that's needed. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think about what this means, what this can look like. Obviously, for folks listening, this is this is an invitation, but it's not it's not like a declaration of what things should be or shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be a really cool moment to actually explore what creative processes and experiences and actions and things we could try that this season invites us into are there any things that come to your mind britain that might be really cool ways to creatively connect to this astrology for my part
1: i don't work in like a creative studio type situation where i make things I do write things right that's my creative process and trusting the recordings that I make with my voice for my teaching and and then I do find readings to be my creative act. Mm -hmm. For my part I think that meditations on the types of things that we have been talking about would be really really powerful for people and really making an event out of it and creating a ritual space that has a clear beginning and a clear ending that has physical objects that represent and symbolize what you would like to honor that is passing. I think creating a ritual to say goodbye to something and, in, and, and to say every single feeling, right? Like mm-hmm. everything you want to say to it. Whether you know maybe someone who didn't get to properly graduate or something like that, like every single thing that you loved about being at that part of your life, and everything that you're gonna miss from it, everything that you didn't like about it, everything about it, and then letting it go and saying goodbye, and then and then sitting in like the dark for a little while to invite in uh, invite something in to show you to show you the, the way forward. I think that every time I sit with death, I just end up walking away with so much to work with now. But I think it comes to me every time I just let the shedding happen, mm-hmm. let the crying happen. It's a beautiful time for crying. For me, I don't cry that easily. I have my moon in Capricorn and I have a kind of like a, uh, austerity about me about sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, I found that being in the bath and running are excellent ways for me to, I just somehow have an openness to my feeling self and I'm able to cry the things that I need to cry. And I always feel so much better. So I I think it's a time where we're really just talking about grief and death and letting go. And none of that sounds pleasant, but it requires that again, back to that idea of Scorpio bravery, just like, I am not afraid to do this. And I think, Zanetta, don't you agree? Part of how you're not afraid to do it is trusting that you are held.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a piece that like everyone to each his own, right? But for me, part of how I feel trust is the sense of I know that I'm held by something.
0: I think for a lot of my earlier witchcraft practices, I was not, I was not, Um, magically working from a place of knowing that I was held. I kind of, I was really directing my own energy rather than really connecting to the support and care and vital life force of source and guides and all that jazz. And it took Mm me a few years to really like understand, you know, like while I I could get to some really cool things on my own, because I have a lot of fire and a lot of like energy that courses through me to be able to create things. I also saw that there was an anxiety, attention and intensity that came with that kind of solar mobility and solar working. And I had to kind of eventually recognize that, yeah, That's certainly one approach, and it's not bad. It's not a bad thing, and where I was at at that time was fine. But it was also like, this is one of a bajillion ways to do things. Yes. (laughs) This is one of a bajillion ways to do things. Not only people like in the sense, like people like you and me, you know, who are walking and talking around – but like your ancestors and the land, there's so, so many connections can happen and so much energy that's possible. Um, and you and you weave differently when you're weaving, knowing that there is much woven into you.
1: Yes, completely. And um, I also think everything comes better for me when I in this name at the very beginning that Everything that I'm seeking to know, I want for my highest best, but also the highest and best of all sentient beings. And it somehow feels more expansive when mm-hmm. I, you know, really firmly indicate that whatever comes to me, may it infuse through like the rhizome of us all being connected or something, you know?
0: And you can really anchor into this. Like for those of you who are listening who feel a trepidation about grief work, death work, or, you know, just connecting with loss and quietude, you can really anchor into the firm knowledge that there's like, you're in good company. Like you're in really good company when you're doing this. It's not something that you're, you know, you're being put in the timeout corner <laughs> right. You know, you're not being punished for doing this. This is not a punishment. This is where the sweetness of life really blossoms from. It's so it's like as you're doing this and you're being held by those that you're connected to, it's like you're really accessing a whole other world mm-hmm. of actually connection and support and and energy. It's so different.
1: Yes. May I share with everyone um and with you what I heard in my one of my rituals last night.
0: Oh please, this
1: would be a lovely time. So I created a space for myself to connect with that which helps me. And I specifically name my ancestors, my, my, gu- my highest guides in this lifetime, four directions, the elements. There's certain deity energies that I invite to hang out. For the h- highest and best of all. And from a space of deep relaxation, I heard s- certain things that I wrote down. So I'd love to share them. So I heard, creation and death are the same thing. We are the drums of your heartbeat. This is the we is whatever I'm hearing, <laughs> that, that which supports and tends to our lives and you is you listener. We are the drums of your heartbeat. We pulse through your bones. We smile through your teeth. You do not create without us. Creating with death means listening and not being afraid. You have everything you need. Make of your life a basket of gifts. Give. There is no scarcity. We love you. Make your life a gift. Make it beautiful for us. Sing the songs. This is something I hear a lot sing the songs, which I take to just mean to like fill my whole spirit with that feeling of connectedness that Mm. comes in sound and song and dance and like this kind of life spirit that moves through us. Mm-hmm. And then I had this vision, there were no words here of like a kind of decomposition or a decay or an unraveling that was beautiful because it was um, it was it was representative of like my own healing that was sort of breaking down some things that aren't helpful or are not helpful to the world and or maybe like from my lineage or from the culture that I grew up in. because um, I've been doing a lot of work on, healing from white supremacy this year and just seeing the sort of a decomposition process happening that was really is really beautiful because it, it's cultivating a reweaving of myself mm-hmm. and then the last things I heard were kiss the ground love the earth make love be in your body we will always be with you we are always with you you're doing a great job and there's always more love
0: Oh, so there's some stuff there that's, like, very, very pingy for me. (laughs) Tell me. Well, I, before this episode, I was yet again in the shower. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Everyone's going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, Zanetta's just only in the shower and only does things in the shower. And that's just the way that this, everything has been made. That's wrong dear listener. But yes, today I was in the shower and a song came to me and I saw a vision of myself singing putting my hands above the ground, just barely above the ground and singing the song into the earth.
2: Mm. And I'm going to
0: leave it in this. I'm going to link the song. I'll like have a sound bite of it for you all. And you can sing it because um, I'm supposed to share it with folks. Yee, but I love this. It's a song that you sing to the earth, essentially to put the earth to sleep oh my gosh. and to just like tuck in the earth soothe the earth there's this witchcraft practice of having like a poppet or a doll or something like that that you then can show love and care to and essentially that is a spell for self-love and Mm self-care if this process of like of caring for self of surrendering of quietude is challenging for you one way that you can do this is by showing the tenderness and care and just tucking in the earth and sending that energy down of like Deep peace, Mm -hmm. deep quiet, sleep like you would a child that you love or a loved one.
1: Oh, that is so great. I just love that.
0: There's a few other practices that actually I had come to mind when you were sharing about the astrology that I would love to share for folks to get into and to try and also to hear your take Britain on like some of these ideas relative to like your experiences and your breadth of knowledge. Cause when we originally, you know, conceived of like this idea of putting together art and astrology and calling it art astrology. But when we were thinking of this, I was like, you know, there's just so many different mediums and art practices and things that we could connect to that would help step into the astrology and try on different ways of being and we're going to get into like some of the the art practices but we'll also get into the ways that we create and a little bit more of the the meta of creativity in a sec but the first thing that came to mind, obviously, is listening. Britton, you've been mentioning all along this episode, listening, listening, listening. And for those of you who have never started a listening practice, I'm just going to share a couple things that you can try. So the first thing that I would recommend is to get yourself a little journal, a little small journal, nothing, you know, too cumbersome for yourself so that you can easily access it and quickly jot things down. But take your maybe phone or something like that, set it on a timer for three minutes and just close your eyes and let your ears expand their field of awareness. What is arising essentially in those three minutes. And when you do this, Allow your listening to basically be non-judgmental. That means if you hear a car, instead of labeling it car or a bird, bird, just try to notice the sound independent of the associations or connotations of the sound. And this is kind of an intense technique for a lot of folks because they're like, what? I've never even heard of that. (laughs) But you can listen to the sound itself, not the source of the sound. You're not paying attention to what you think this thing is, but more what is being created from that sound source. So if you hear a bird, listen to its song, its call, its chirps, its tweets, its highs, its lows, its width, its narrowness, its repetitiveness. Listen to the qualities of the sound rather than trying to categorize or name or organize mentally what that is. And then you're listening with a really different filter on your experience. And it changes actually the way that you hear things. I've been doing this for over a decade now. And it's one of my most common ways of listening. The um, other thing about that is to listen versus hear. So hearing is to register sounds, but to listen is to actually perceive and knowing that your perceptions are actually really unique, just like a fingerprint to who you are and your experiences in this lifetime.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is getting to internal landscape work. This is getting into like the deep interior, as some folks say, you know, as you're listening, you're noticing your deep interior, noticing what part of you is listening and responding to those sounds. Are you triggered? Do you feel scared? Do you feel angry? You know, when your child is like, gapping away at their friend on the phone next door. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel do you feel frustrated that you're not getting your time to listen in, in peace and quiet? Notice that cuz now you're starting to listen and perceive your inner self, your inner landscape, which gives you a whole huge world of information about how you hear things and the filters that you place upon your lived experiences.
1: I love that. Yeah, I was thinking when you were talking, because I've been doing so much somatic type of healing where you notice how things feel in the body. Just it's, it's a practice of noticing, right? And I was thinking, like, yeah, the next step would be, and then you started to say it, right? Like, how does it feel in the body um, when you listen and there's I love that word information because our body gives us so much information that so often we aren't registering. It's there for us to know more about ourselves and to if we would like do healing to investigate what that
0: is, right? Exactly. It's like that scrying conversation we had earlier. Mm-hmm where you what's surfacing is aspects of yourself that's what's surfacing as you're listening like here's the big surprise folks spoiler alert (laughs) like when you're listening you're not actually surrendering anything truly what's happening is is you're experiencing an aspect of yourself that never gets to be heard Mm. in conscious consensus reality
1: yes oh so good And it can be frightening when you're getting new at these things. And for me, it always helps to think about these parts of self that surface as like a child that we adore. We just love this child so much. And so I think it helps for me when I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable at something I'm noticing to get curious and up close to this part of me like it's um a sweet child
0: that's so interesting cuz i find that to be really hard for myself like really? i have a lot of really intense childhood trauma and so imagining like the child version of myself sometimes helps me but often doesn't work for me and my approach is that i kind of take almost an anthropological approach to things where you're just supposed to like observe and i've been practicing certain forms of meditation for a long time that like have kind of trained me to just sit with things that you notice so i take kind of like a more like detached vibe about mm-hmm. it where i'm just like okay like yep that's something it feels horrible field research yeah it's like <laughs> look there's there's a squirrel in the forest look there's You know, this blade of grass that has these colors. That's interesting. Like just being interested and curious about what it is that is coming up rather than like that blade of grass means that I'm this. Yes. (laughs) That squirrel means this. (laughs) Yes. That's been my way to access space in exploration of hard topics for myself. I love the anthropologist. There's a couple other um, art practices, actually, that I was thinking about, particularly this invitation of the cave. Something about that really resonated for me, Britton. I was Mm -hmm. like... I know so many artists who work a lot with cave work and just in terms of like this, the cocooning and the experience of being like in inner, inside and like emergence. One artist I think of is Jessica Zinchuk, the uh, creator of Story Medicine Tarot, Mm -hmm.
2: who has so
0: much cave um, imagery in their tarot deck. And it's like, these aspects of self and self healing journey relative to the cave and also just like exploring stone and rough hewn areas and like kind of being in that deep solid space and like textures and things like that of like creating your own cave, your own kind of inner world that you like hunker down in. Yeah. I want to go explore that. That's like the next thing I want to go do right now. (laughs) That kind of like reminds me of what we were just talking about a moment ago, which is like aspects of self, hidden aspects of self, hidden aspects of self living in these pockets. These almost yeah. like underground caverns that like you yes. go, you dive into the deep waters and then you find these like caves, these underwater caves of where like aspects of self in this like hidden treasure like exist.
1: Exactly. I have a section in my Scorpio book called Scorpio and the Catabatic Journey and comes from the Greek meaning going down. And I I know this little bit of vocabulary because in my PhD studies, I wrote a paper on Alice in Wonderland, and I was writing a paper about how they were building, building the tube in London and building different um, subway systems in Europe at the same time that Lewis Carroll wrote Alice in Wonderland. And it was also a period of the growth of science fiction as a genre where people Mm -hmm. were writing about going underground and what if there are worlds underground, like Jules Verne. And Mm -hmm. um, there were like scientific pseudoscience theories about like buildings to go to China, like through the earth, you know, and this is all 19th century. And so I know that term going down and it's, that's why I use that framing in this section of the workbook, but, um, and to talk about Scorpio through the lens of like Persephone and other myths that have to do with retrieving something of the self in hidden places. And so I think it's extremely appropriate for this time of year to think about accessing more wholeness through finding the self in going down. It's just appropriate because since Persephone and the the mysteries around Demeter and Persephone have to do with life, death, life and have to do with Taurus Scorpio time of year, it's also a time of year to bring in Taurus as well. I think that even merging what they're both about and through Mm. investigations and research and things like these this is a polarity that's really meant to be held together and one in each hand, which is why we have it on one side of the globe, we have death and the other side of the globe, we have life, you know, that rituals and creative practices right now could also be rich with welcoming um, garden themes, like growth themes, spring life things, because it's all part of that marriage. Does that make sense?
0: No, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I I hear this from folks like, okay, I'm not feeling this way, but here's the moon phase. Like, am I still supposed to do this spell even though I feel like crap on a stick and it's like the full moon and I'm supposed to like do some witchy thing to celebrate the full moon. (laughs) And I'm like, no, your, your craft practice, your magic practice is supposed to be about where you are always on some level. It's about where you are and having more dimensions to connect to around a sign And the archetypes and just kind of like weaving things together like that, where you were talking about weaving, you know, this kind of Venusian energy and Taurus energy with also the Scorpio energy makes a lot of sense to me. Because for some folks that might actually give them more access into this archetype and this work and these invitations.
1: Just the visual, like in the old still life paintings, the Memento Mori paintings of a skull with like a huge bouquet of flowers.
2: And, like, maybe a
1: butterfly alighting on the skull head. Um, We're all about that juxtaposition. I mean, of course, the rhetoric of a lot of them was like heavily laden with judgment day, kind of like sin, you know, and things like that. But we can take with it what feels good to us, which is that there can be juxtaposing those things together. Like, if you're creating an altar or or a centerpiece at your dining table that has a mix of life with like Mm -hmm. things that symbolize death to you how i think helps underline the cyclical um, truth about it and maybe is more approachable
0: that's so beautiful britain you know who came to mind immediately georgia o'keefe the bull skulls and like the the flowers and just like the There's so much, like, freshness, but also, like, depth, Mm -hmm. you know, and and darkness in her work that's just, like, so delicious and amazing and, like, kind of gets – it gets into your skin. You're like, oh, that's real. That's a real situation. This person's been hanging out with this.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, so many of her – Skull, she has so many skulls, right? And then there's also so many flowers that look like vaginas, you know, like it's like the other end of it. And of course, because they're together, they're not separate. But what a great artist to call out for an example of how to put Taurus together with Scorpio. I actually don't know her chart. I want to like hang Ooh. up and go check that out. <laughs> I'm always thinking of new people. I have a note section on my phone just for when I realize someone whose charted I haven't looked up yet. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so interesting. Are there any like mediums or types of modalities of art making that lend themselves well to to this season, I think of free improv, listening work, or exploring silence in your work. But what do you think of something that came to
1: mind? And this is completely riffing. What came up is like when you see, when I see a canvas that is very built up with imposto, that forces me to recognize that what I'm looking at is not a representation of a thing; that it is an object itself, mm-hmm. and there's this doubling between maybe what is represented and what is there. The fact of how that's working, it's like pulse between the built up paint and the thing that's pictured. Mm. I feel like there's something scorpionic there and also has the tactility of Taurus because it's like truthful. There's something truthful about paint showing you what it is, so to speak. And making you aware of what your hand wants to know what it will feel like when it touches the thing, which I think takes us to the Taurus end of things.
2: Mm. And
1: anything that feels really truthful has a scorpionic flavor to it. Now, it may be combined with other sign energies that feel present. But if there's a kind of like, I am not afraid to show you what I'm talking about, and almost in a taboo or a, an uncomfortable way of like, gulp, I wanted to not recognize what this was you know, maybe like works of art that blatantly show you that like, this is about money. And it's about being sold in art galleries or you know things like that that make people uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah, that all has a scorpionic flare because it's like I am not going to hide from what's actually going on in this space, and mm. that could be any kind of art making that does that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that gets into like so many realms of art, but I think, I think what you're talking about about really showing truth about something and an unflinching gaze, essentially, yes. and There's definitely some artists that I feel like bring that energy, especially nowadays where there's been so much work around actually like owning the intersection of social justice and art. So like exploring some of the maybe hard, deep truths about the collective or about your personal proximity to collective social justice issues and stuff like that and really owning it and really going deep with that can be a powerful exploration with art. Yes. Relative to this seasonal invitation.
1: Exactly. Like not being afraid to sting people a little bit, right? That's Scorpio. It's just like it's <laughs> the, the, the sting of truth, right? It's the sting of, I'm going to just make what we all might pretend around be centered. I definitely think that that kind of inspiration could come through really strong by tapping into Scorpio. Someone I thought of that has a very Scorpionic body of work and art is Francisco Goya, the Spanish Mm -hmm. artist from the early 19th century with his etchings on disasters of war, for example, of just really like, yep, this is what it looks like. And they're just really hard to look at. But the idea is like, I'm not gonna pretend that it's anything other than this that I saw with my eyes and the visceral quality of so much of his work is why we all love him. Cause it's like, thank you for just being so honest. And, um, that is a value I think when working with Scorpio energy.
0: Mm. One last person that I actually thought of one last piece in particular was Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. Mm which is such an intense piece um, that really shook people when they first heard it, when it first premiered, it like caused a super outrage. Like it was, people were freaking out, like it was not okay and really turned a lot of people on their heads, but it was basically this very like pagan, very like uh, raw primal interpretation of spring and life it took like you know the oh, how look at this beautiful pasture, and look at this beautiful, yes. you know springtime, and it was like, no, this is destructive energy, actually, <laughs> and it's yeah. very bombastic and intense and and it's one of my favorite pieces I've ever gotten a chance to play in an orchestra, and it's raw you're you're hitting things and like really leaning and digging into the earth and just kind of like oh. and I think the Rite of Spring by um by Igor Stravinsky is a really powerful kind of connection between that Taurus Scorpio vibe. It's really interesting. I never thought of that before. Thank you, Britain.
1: For it to be full blown Taurus, it's going to have to have a jolt of Scorpio in it. You know, it's like that's how this operates. They're they're connected. They're polar signs.
0: This is amazing. And we're going to link some stuff in the show notes to Britain's kind of full Scorpio episode on her podcast, which is called Moon to Moon. Uh, It's an amazing podcast that gives you such a beautiful insight and even much deeper look into these um energies and timing and just invitations and i really really enjoy it and it's just wonderful you're so warm and just loving about how you approach astrology and it really helps heal those of us who were so used to reading like the comics and reading like (laughs) you're gonna have a bad day and um it's, you know, or, like, those of us who have sun signs and, like, you know, things like cancer where they're, like, you're just meant to work at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's really great advice. <laughs> you're just meant you to, be like, helpful. do this one thing with your life because of the astrology. And that's, like, now having the, the benefit and pleasure of being with friends like you and other astrologers who are, like, really taking The language and the concepts, and like repatterning them and working them for a very visionary future and world. It feels it feels really great. So Moon to Moon podcast is really amazing, and I hope you guys check out Britain's work on there. And Britain, you also have like the work that you've done this year has been so wild. (laughs) Like you've done so So much much work. Can you share about your workbooks? Sure.
1: So I do have a moon to moon workbook uh, that's more about lunar cycles, but my primary project this year has been doing a workbook for each sign. This series is called Living the Signs, Astrology for Radiant Embodiment. The underlying idea is that you get all of them because we have all of our signs, all the signs in our chart. And many, many people find more benefit from working with signs that they don't identify with. So there has to be kind of a little reframing. Like I know people like identifying with their main signs and I do too, of course. So it's not that those aren't special for you. But the idea is to open into working with energies and archetypes that you maybe don't think are for you or that you think are somebody else and that Mm -hmm. um, like you've maybe just been ignoring in yourself. That's really what they're for. And they're about living the signs as in building it in immediately to your actual lived experience.
0: Right, right. You're developing a relationship, which earlier in the podcast, we had talked about research and the creativity of research and that research is sacred devotion. Like, Mm. word up, people. It's a creative process. And it's also part of, like, how you really connect and deepen, like, intentional right relationship with things. So being in right relationship with science and the sky. Exactly. exactly
1: all of that (laughs) yes exactly
0: oh britain where can people connect with you um book a reading like just be a part of your orbit
1: thank you well my it's easy to remember because my website's just britainmaru.com and my instagram's just at britainmaru so you can join my orbit by subscribing to my newsletter just following me on instagram or check out moon to moon first
0: Britton thank you so so much for today it was such a joy to talk arts and all that jazz there's so many doors we opened
1: that we have to like oh we'll save that door for another day I guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you enjoyed today's episode of art witch please consider subscribing or writing a review Each and every little bit helps spread the word to more and more people.